Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Match Ball. The podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. 30 years on to the day, game by game, we chart the journey from promotion in 1990 to lifting the league title in 1992 on the match ball 30. And 30 years ago today, we were at Roker Park, which is no longer there, but that was in Sunderland before the Stadium of Light, a town that has always held Leeds in high regard. There's a, a certain fondness there between the two clubs. Well, they, they made a big deal about it when we died in 1973. They held, held their own impromptu funeral, if that's not a... A sign of affection, taking a coffin onto the pitch with uh, Leeds United RIP on the side. They must have loved us. As a published author, Moscow, which bit of you dies when you see the apostrophe on lead? Mm. Why have they done that? And you can It doesn't even look like it was meant to be there. It looks like someone's seen the word Leeds written so, on oh, it. Oh, they've got that wrong. And gone, I'm going to sort this out because they've made a mistake there. Everyone, everyone knows Leeds has got an apostrophe. It's because they don't have education. In Sunderland, I think that's what it might be. And, I, and you, I say, I say that university <laughs> in Sunderland. Now it's a university in Newcastle, but I was on the radio to Newcastle and Sunderland, so I would like to apologise to all my ten listeners they, who were in Sunderland. They got someone from I don't know uh, somewhere like Middlesbrough to go and do the writing, probably. Yeah, if in doubt, trash those lot down the A19. It always works an absolute treat. Now, Roker Park. Um, something I mentioned in the run up to this is that it was always very, very cold. I mean, the Stadium of Light is not a million miles away from the coast because Sunderland is a coastal town. Roker Park, if you ever went there, it was very, very close to the sea. There's a park at Roker. It's called Roker Park. And just around the corner from Roker Park is Roker Park, which is just around the corner from the North Sea. And it's very cold. I thought it was going to be around the corner from Roker Park somehow there. It seemed to be too many Roker Parks. <laughs> it's a nice little park. It's not bad. And it leads straight to the sea, which would indicate how close it is. And I, re- I mention it because... I thought it was in Sunderland. It's in Sunderland near the sea. But you said it was nice. That's what I was confused about. Don't judge a book by its cover, but the actual stretch of Roker itself, questionable. It's got decaying seaside town vibes to it, but there's a decent chippy there on the seafront, which is all right, but the beach is nice. So go give the beach a whirl. That's what I'd recommend. Every time you keep saying that it's next to the sea and every reference to the sea, I'm picturing like Hawaii, but it's it's not like that. It's, it's like that. It's if, not if that you sea. Just take out the... Well, they're all connected. Yeah, it's technically all the same water, isn't it? But it's amazing how it can look so different. Just strip out the palm trees. Drop the weather by 20 degrees, 30 degrees, the culture, warmth, education. Really crank up the seagulls, though. <laughs> crank those right up. Yeah, no, um, I mention it because it was bloody cold was Roker Park. It was inhospitable. One of the coldest grounds, along with Oldham, I think, that we ever tended to visit because 
We're in the run-up to Christmas here. We're very, very close to Christmas. December, not noted for being one of the warmer months. And here we were on the exposed terraces of Roker Park, but beating Sunderland. It, it was actually a decent... Don't give the ending away. People will know from the episode title, Moscow, that we beat them. Uh, so, you shouldn't be putting it in the title, should you? Uh, but it's true, though. Actually, around this time, we had a couple of wins at Roker Park. But this one, potential bloodbath. It was an awful game in terms of physicality. I mean, by 2020 standards, we've we've drawn parallels in recent weeks and said that this would have probably had multiple red cards. We were sort of laughing about it at the Everton game, weren't we? How some of the tackles were, were ridiculous, but no one actually got hurt in those because somehow Gordon Strachan managed to avoid the fact someone tried to take his, his leg clean off at the knee, stroke, ankle, did kind of both in one tackle. Whereas in this one, um, something bad did happen. But we are on a sensational run of form going into this game at the minute. We mentioned last week that we hadn't been beaten since sort of the third week uh, of October. So things going going pretty well. We're on a run of... We're unbeaten in 11, as Wil- Howard Wilkinson pointed out before the game. He's uh, Although he's cautious, he pointed out that it's taken us 990 minutes to build up that run, but it will only take 90 minutes to end. Hardly seems fair, does it? Good old Wilco. No, it's not fair. Teams should have to beat us over 990 minutes to take that record away from us. But it is ninth, this is the ninth game in the league that we're undefeated. It is a decent run. That's like a quarter of a season. Not a bad one at all. Um, of course, we beat Everton last week. Man United, we drew. Southampton, we won against. Coventry, we drew against. But then Derby, Man City, Forest, all wins. So we've got momentum behind us at the all minute. All as a newly promoted team. Momentum that they tried very hard to kick out of us. Yeah, the opening 20 minutes. What was the score? 8-1. 8-1 to... Sunderland. 8-1 to Sunderland. That's a hell of a score for just 20 minutes of, of game time, and that is, of course, the foul count. Yes. It um, suggests how the uh, the game was heading overall, and um, we haven't done the teams. Do you want to do the teams? Yeah, and here are the 22 brave souls that took to the pitch. I don't know if they all made it off in one piece, but for Sunderland, Tony Norman in goal, Gary Bennett, John Kay, Richard Ord, Paul Hardiman, Gordon Armstrong, Colin Pascoe, Paul Bracewell, Gary Owers, Kevin Ball, Marco Gabbiadini, and for Leeds, that regular back five in action, John Lukic, Mel Sterland at right back, Peter Haddock at left back, the two Chris's in central defence, Fairclough and White. Your midfield four, Strachan, McAllister, Speed and Batty with Carl Schutt and Lee Chapman now firmly cemented in as the front two. And we have Glenn Snodden and John Pearson on the bench. This Sunderland team has got very little crossover into the Sunderland teams I remember. I'm not sure what happened. There's only really Kevin Ball... Paul Bracewell and Marco Gabbiadini, I can even remember playing football. Were they all 90? Yes, this is really is a team of old nobodies. Tony Norman, in particular, was practically geriatric by by this point. I remember um, Colin Pascoe vividly because um, his pro set card did the rounds at my school because it was signed, but nobody wanted it because why would anybody want a card signed by a Sunderland player? Actually signed? Yeah, apparently it that was one of the things was people saying, oh no, that's somebody's written Byro on it, but somebody had been to see Stockport versus Sunderland and for some reason had come away with a, a hand-signed Colin Pascoe pro set card and thought anybody would be interested and it just ended up kind of going from hand to hand. He's got a hell of a jawline as uh, Colin Pascoe, according to the photos. He's, he's gone on to um, to do various bits of high-level level coaching anyway. Was, uh, um, let's have a look. He even took charge of Liverpool. He was the assistant to Brendan Rodgers and he took charge of a Liverpool team against QPR in 2012. So he's, he's coached in the Premier League since with that jawline. That pro set card might be worth something now. 
I'm sure you'll remember him though. He racked up 116 appearances for Sunderland between 1988 and 1993. So an absolute stalwart. I can remember none of them. But talk about this one, we will, and the physicality in the game. That 8-1 lead on fouls in the first 20 minutes. It didn't stop there, did it? 50 minutes is the big one. Just after halftime, uh, the, the main talking point was Peter Haddock continuing the bad luck at left-back. Um, a fellow called John Kay, an ex-Wimbledon player, unsurprisingly, did for him. Big style. When you read the description of it, Shimp had broken into knee, calf and ankle injuries. Wilkinson's description of the whole thing is uh, is quite vivid. He ended up, um, they took him to Leeds and he spent the night in, in hospital. Although actually the first thing was, I mean, straight after the tackle, Wilkinson's roaming around thinking thinking his legs, legs being broken and then they realised that this is Sunderland and there's no ambulance, there's no St John's ambulance people. Don't even have roads. The Leeds, uh, Leeds kit man is running around trying to find a stretcher and people think he's, he's trying to cause trouble. Fans come running onto the pitch getting angry. One, uh, Marco Gabbiadini, the Sunderland striker, for some reason has to stop a Sunderland fan from attacking the referee. <laughs> Over well, I mean, John Kay got sent off for this tackle, so I assume they were arguing that it was it was perfectly legal. But when you read um, um, well, the managers after the game, Sunderland's manager Dennis Smith did think it was fine. Described it as a fair fifty-fifty. From where I was sitting, it looked like a fifty-fifty ball, and there's nothing in the rules to say you can't go in hard. Had I been playing, I would have done exactly the same as John Kay. Knee, calf, and ankle injuries. He got fifty percent of his knee and fifty percent of his ankle. He'd managed to cover with with two feet more aerial than is physically possible. I'm not I'm not entirely sure how he's done it. It must have been like a chop that's gone. Is it a raking injury or I mean Wilkinson describes it as being lucky like run over by a tractor, which I guess covers a, a number of of eventualities there. But it's it's fairly comprehensive. Wilkinson also says that if it was a fair challenge, it must have been a very big ball we were playing with. The injuries covered four square feet of Haddock's legs, <laughs> and if you could run through. What Wilkinson uh, Wilkinson lists the injuries, doesn't he? He's had three stitches in his left kneecap, bruising to the left knee, which was the damage caused by the right foot of the tackler. He also has a calf injury and cuts around the ankle on the other leg, all from one tackle, and the stud marks go all the way down the left leg, and there's a lot of swelling. I mean, being run over like a tractor describes well the pitch at Roker Park and probably Roker Park itself, which uh, was probably quite muddy at this time of year. It's not what you want two days before Christmas if you're Peter Haddock having your leg completely smashed up by some um, ex-Wimbledon maniac. And I've had a, a look at for John Kay, who seems to have become a bit of a Sunderland legend, mainly because of this tackle. He's nicknamed as the Red and White Tractor. But he um, he claims it was all fine. He's asked in this interview um, a couple of years ago, did, did Howard Wilkinson, who was so angry about it, say anything to you? And John Kay say, no. He said absolutely nothing. He said absolutely nout to me. None of them did. Nothing happened after the game. Still follows me about now, though, because whenever I walk into a pub, there's always lads that will shout, here's the tractor. It didn't do anyone any harm, did it? <laughs> Just a tackle. Didn't do me any harm either, because people still remember it. Took off a man's legs. I mean, in fairness to him, his own career was ended with a broken leg as well. Good. And he, when you read the story of it, he was sat up on the stretcher pretending to row himself off the pitch. <laughs> As he was being taken off, so different times. A lunatic is what we need to get across here. He claims as well that uh, Haddock never said anything to about to him about. He said, "No, nah, he never said nothing to me." I'm assuming he's a Cockney because he's played for Wimbledon. Didn't we go down to Welland Road for a cap game a few weeks later after that? Nothing was ever said then either. 
Never came up with me and said a thing. Nat. Well, the, uh, well, the game finished uh, 14 fouls by Leeds to Sunderland's 23. So um, very much the moral victors in this, as well as the actual victors. And you've got to think, if refereed by modern standards, there'd be at least 200 fouls in this game. Because the amount of stuff that is just let go is unreal. And when you have got, you know, we've just described the state of Peter Haddock's legs. And when you have got a the manager of one of the teams saying it was a fair 50-50 challenge and he would have done exactly the same to him. Just fine. Why not? Why not smash his legs? One significant booking that did happen in this game, though, was on Chris White, who fouled uh, Marco Gabbiadini and therefore faces a suspension for going over 21 penalty points, which sounds like a driving offence. It's how they used to uh, work out the, the suspensions. You got a certain number of points for a booking and a certain number of points for a red card. I can't remember if the, the points were adjusted for the kind of booking, like descent's worth less than um, snapping a leg. But yeah, he, he was. Always going to. I mean, he's already played against Mark Hughes twice. So that's two of them. John Kay from uh, from County Durham, by the way, just for the record. <laughs> Delightful. Gabby Adini himself did hit the crossbar in that first half. And, and Lukic actually was in good form in this one. He made some good saves. And got clattered for them. I think they, they managed to kick pretty much every player we had. Whereas when um, Tony Norman stopped a, a 30-yard shot from Glyn Snodden that was described as the save of the game, and I'm sure Lee Chapman was not running in to try and kick him. Wouldn't even hear of it. So despite the physicality, we did actually win this one 1-0. 11 minutes from time, Mel Sterland is the scorer. But a nice goal in terms of the build-up. Oh, it's it's pure class. <laughs> is it? Silky football. There's a <laughs> there's a, an overhead kick from Glyn Snodden that uh, you rarely see that kind of athletic ability on a football pitch. And the finish as well. I mean, it flies into the top corner, doesn't it? Exactly where Sterling intended it to go. The keeper certainly doesn't get a hand to it and it somehow ends up in the net. I don't know how this has gone in. The camera can't quite keep up with it either, so you don't fully get to see how bad it is. But it looks an awful lot like he's got, as the coach would advise, get a big firm hand behind it, but then it's gone in anyway, somehow. There is one bit of good play. I mean, it, it, it you know, it's not a good goal. We kind of get the ball into their area and everybody just kind of flies at the ball until it goes further into the area and then... Lee Chapman, not always noted for his touch, but it's a good layoff. He actually... He's trying to control that. <laughs> that was his control, wasn't it? He can control it further than we can kick it. No, he's not. No, it is deliberate. Yeah, he... Hey, uh... just, oh, sorry, on Chapman, I never realised he played for Sunderland mm. until we looked into the background of this game. Absolute disaster for him. Uh, he scored three goals, I think. It was, um, oh, what was his record up there? Three goals in 15 games, and he was there for a full season at least, I think, and that's when... Um, Howard Wilkinson rescued him for Sheffield Wednesday and then the rest was history. Wilkinson did talk about that before the game and he said that uh, over a season he's usually good for a goal every two games or so when he plays for me. He's playing for Mel Sterland here with a, a fine layoff to his old Sheffield Wednesday teammate, letting him stick it in the net and give Leeds the points. He does kick it hard. He's good at that, Mel Sterling. He also, I mean, he could have made it 2-0 actually, Sterling. He had a free kick that he, I assume, thundered against the bar with... Um, one minute to go after Sunderland had been uh, desperately trying to get themselves back in the game. They ended up sticking Gary Bennett in attack. And if you want to see, we've not been able to find any footage of the tractor's tackle on um, Peter Haddock, but for an indication of Sunderland's style of play at the time, have a look on YouTube for Gary Bennett and uh, David Speedy, which is a combination. It starts with Speedy trying to take Bennett's knee off and ends up with Bennett um, strangling him and uh, putting him in the crowd. I mean, he bends him over backwards in that crowd to such an extent that you can you genuinely fear for the state of his back. 
and John Helm on the commentary saying it all seems to be fine and there's a lot of fuss about nothing. Can't believe there are red cards for such little maelstroms. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. That still leaves us sitting fifth in the table, but now with a four-point gap opening up to sixth place, Manchester City, after 18 games. So coming round for the halfway point of the season, things looking all right. We've got Leeds United in fifth on 33. We've got Spurs also on 33. We've then got Palace on 36, Arsenal on 40, and Liverpool on 44, back up there at the top of the division. Arsenal still unbeaten after 18 games. Liverpool beating Southampton, Arsenal drawing away at Aston Villa, Palace winning at Manchester City 2-0, so a significant one there that allowed us to open up that gap, and of course, us winning at Roker Park. And some more good news for Leeds, though. Yeah, it's good news. We're tying promising youngsters down for the foreseeable future. Golden Strachan, that is. Long-term deal. June 1993. Well, he will be 40 when that runs out, approximately. Howard Wilkinson says this deal took four minutes to to, uh, arrange which is in the fine tradition of uh, Paul Maley going into Jimmy Arnfield and just telling, giving, giving me a blank sheet of paper and says, right, whatever you want to pay me on that. And Wilkinson, very happy, says, oh, I bless the day I signed him. There were those who thought he could be coming to Leeds to retire. Nothing could have been further from the truth. But his wages are absolutely disgusting. If you were to believe what the sun is writing anyway, and I know they are paragons of truth and virtue. I mean, he's, Wilco is very keen to stress that these aren't true, but I mean... £6,000. Can any footballer ever be worth £6,000 a week? I assume that's a year. (laughs) An annual wage. Ridiculous. Ridiculous money. Where will it end? Well, Wilkinson says he was astonished and disgusted um, that the quotes (laughs) from the club were made up in the sun. Unbelievable. And that to make matters worse, the paper then published details of the player's income in the new contract, which are totally untrue. So Wilkinson is shocked and appalled that a newspaper should be publishing a footballer's income. But then he does claim that Strachan will actually be receiving substantially less under his new contract, which only serves to demonstrate the sort of person he is, which does tally in with a... Well, he's taking a pay cut. But free bananas. Gordon Strachan always tells a story that you'd think is maybe one of those kind of after-dinner speech things of going in to see Bill Fotherby about a new contract and coming out two weeks later and he's he's bought an executive box and, and 100 <laughs> season tickets. So I wonder if this is kind of the um, 
it all ties together. And, and I can picture Father being in that situation saying, well, you know, you have helped us get promotion to Division 1 like you like you came here to do. We do want to keep you here. But if we're going to stay in Division 1, we're going to have to sign some new players in that sum- in the summer. And if we're going to sign some good players to play with you, we can't keep paying you as much as we're paying you now. So, you know, you like Gary McAllister, don't you? He's nice to play with. He's he's a bit more your wavelength than that uh, Vinnie Jones. So we're going to go and get another Gary McAllister. Well, I mean, we, we we can't have you and that. And it all comes around that way. And so I wouldn't, I'd, I'd like to know what proportion of uh, Rod Wallace's wages Gordon Strachan ended up contributing to. He's worth it anyway, Strachan. That's the thing. He's still our best player at this stage. He's worth stage. a pay cut. <laughs> hey, worth a contract, though. £300,000 a year, that rumoured wage in the sun. At six grand a week, which is outlandish. I mean, in fairness, it's enough, isn't it? This was a long time ago, and I'd I'd take that now. <laughs> yeah, it is actually a lot for the time. And Strachan, as well, has never hidden the fact that one of the reasons he came to Leeds when he had an offer from Sheffield Wednesday, and he was also, I think, Alex Ferguson had told him to go and speak to Middlesbrough as well, but he never bothered. He didn't fancy it. Sheffield Wednesday was attractive to him because it was Ron Atkinson was the manager there who had managed him at Scum and they'd, it enjoyed that. So we quite fancied that. But then Howard Wilkinson and what he proposed to him and then the contract that Bill Fotherby offered him, he said the two things together. He said he, he wouldn't have come only for the money, but he definitely came because the money was great and has never never hidden that away. Because to get a player to drop from Division 1 to Division 2 at the time as well, it, we had to push the boat out for him. But as Michael says, the form he's in so far this season he looks like one of the, the best players on the pitch in every first division match. And he's coming round for 34 years old in the new year, his birthday at the start of February. So he's only a couple of months off his 34th birthday at this point. So still representing excellent value for money, you would say. If he can stay out of the way of John Kay for a few years, I think he's, he's worth the deal. And the march towards Wembley continues on many, many fronts because we are still in the Zenith Data Systems Cup because we beat Wolves 2-1 in that. And this fixture pile-up starting to happen a little bit now because we've got a cup game every week. It feels like a very slow march to Wembley. It's as if we've we've already played about 10 games in the ZGS Cup and it's still only where we're... By beating Wolves 2-1, we've got through to play Derby at home in the Northern Area quarter-final. So we're not even into the national competition yet. Feels very JPT, doesn't it? Northern Area quarter-finals and all that stuff. Although nice to see uh, Jim Beglin. Actually getting a game. Yeah, we... we we put out a slightly weakened, not weakened, because they're all still Leeds players, so they're brilliant, um, but a changed team for Wolves. Mervyn Day got a turning goal. Uh, Sterling played. Snodden, it's difficult to work out the defence because Sterling, Snodden, Beglin are all fullbacks. Haddock's been playing fullback, but will probably have been partnering Fairclough at centre half. Strachan plays because Strachan always fucking plays. And then Verardi, Pearson, McAllister and Speed with uh, Andy Williams came on for Strachan. And Dylan Kerr, I mean, when Dylan Kerr gets a game, you can tell we're, we're maybe spreading the appearance bonuses out a bit. Probably worth explaining what this was. The full members cup, the ZDS cup, was basically what the JPT became for like the League One clubs. But they brought it in as an extra cup competition because we were out of Europe, didn't they, I think? And it just meant another load of fixtures. I mean, because you look at the structure of it, I mean, this was a second round game against Wolves, so it's the first game that we've played in this competition away at Molyneux. Over 11,000 fans there. But then you go forward into the third round, then there's the Northern semi-final, then the Northern final first leg, and then the Northern final second leg. So you've got one, two, three, four, five games before you get to Wembley. 
they were quite keen on two legs, weren't they, at this point? The League Cup was over two legs as well, which when you think of the complete fit that Premier League managers would have these days if they said, yes, not only have you drawn Port Vale, but you've got to play them twice in, to get past them. It'd be, uh, it'd be people would be resigning from the league and stuff on, a, on the basis of it. But in those days, yeah, just, just play every week. It's not like the games are physical or anything. It's all about the gate money. You don't get the, the money for being on TV that you do now. So the, the main income is people through the, the turnstiles. And so I don't know how many turned out to see us play Wolves, but that was the whole idea. And, to, you know, it came up after the, the European ban to fill a hole left by uh, ticket revenue. That's why it had to happen. So, yeah, play as often as possible to get people to watch as much as possible. And then you can you can pay those Gordon Strachans their disgusting high wages. So we look ahead towards the third week in January when we've got Derby at home in the next round of the ZDS. But the week before that, we have the fifth round of the League Cup to play against Aston Villa at Ellen Road. And before all that, of course, the FA Cup kicks off in the first week of January. So the Cup's bearing down on us. Win them all. And on the, the revenue business, Fotheby's eyes are lighting up about all this as well because they do represent routes into Europe, the FA Cup is the European Cup Winners' Cup. If you win that, there might be a European place on offer for winning the League Cup. And then the ZDS Cup, you don't get into Europe, but you do get to play at Wembley. Not over two legs, but there's a there's a fat chunk of cash if you if you have a crowd at Wembley. If you give them some ideas there, they might do that. Extra monetization, a two-legged final, both at Wembley. You know, I mean, we're just veering into random football trivia, but you know that the night before the FA Cup final for a while, the losing semi-finalists used to play off for third place. Really? When, when did that stop being a thing? It, I think it was only a thing for a while. They did it in the, I think, the 70s. And it wasn't every year, because sometimes teams would just go, we're not fucking doing it. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. But um, yeah, that used to be like a, they tried it as a, as a curtain raise the night before the FA Cup final. Oh, that's funny, that. Because it's like the third place playoff in the World Cup is just a ludicrous exercise in futility, isn't it? They need to do away with that. But Football isn't a game of third places, is it? It's not a bronze medal, is it, in football? Particularly, I mean, you'll remember Billy Bremner's very famous autobiography. You get a medal for coming third. Here we go. Wikipedia is going to give us all the, the information now. They were, uh, they were introduced in 1970, replacing the traditional pre-final match between England and Young England. So there's the other um, trivia that I'd forgotten, <laughs> that we used to force the England team to play a match on the eve of the FA Cup final against some kids to keep people entertained. They, uh, these games were generally unpopular and were only played for five seasons. And the 1972 and 73 matches were played at the start of the following season. And the 1974 match was played five days after the final. Was it the full England team? And presumably the way fixtures were organised then, if you were playing in the FA Cup final the next day, they'd be like, well, you have also been picked for England, so you're going to be, you're going to be playing a full 90 the day before an FA Cup final. That's not going to be a problem. The selection it? committee have decided you must play the game. You've got to take these games seriously. It's England. Very much so. And speaking of the world stage, we uh, were a little bit put out that Ellen Road wasn't con- uh, considered for the World Cup bid that we were getting involved in for, was it 1998? Yep. Me, we. But they've had a rethink and the FA and the Football League are saying, hey, it's not just going to be the Sheffield clubs who will consider in Yorkshire. Anybody who is in the first or second division can now apply to have their stadium used. So Ellen Road, 1998 World Cup. Yes, it's on. And normally at this time of year, in modern day parlance anyway, you'd be hyping up the January transfer window. But no such thing back then. But there are links, again, to a striker, young lad at Sheffield United by the name of Brian Dean is rumoured to be coming to Leeds. £1.2 million. 
Seems cheap, actually. It's a good deal. Get that signed ASAP, I would say. We'll only end up paying more. Although the uh, the form that Carl shuts in, is he going to get past him? Doubtful, but we'll be back at Ellen Road in just three days' time for the Boxing Day fixture against Ken Bates' Chelsea. Boo! We'll speak to you then. Oh, and Merry Christmas. The Match Ball. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.